0: Welcome to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Seta. As this is our final episode of 2022, I'd like to take a second to thank all of you for your support of the podcast over the past year. I'm certainly wishing you and your family a holiday season that is both merry and bright. And in the spirit of the holidays, today we're serving up a podcast that is equal parts entertainment and educational. Cheers to all of you.
1: We were at Coachella and we're like at the bar, and it's like Paul McCartney, Usher, and Katy Perry. And they like, they knew me. They're like saying hi to me. And wait, (laughs) back up. Paul McCartney,
0: (laughs) Katy Perry, and Usher. And Usher. They knew you. Yes, they knew me. I'm Dr. Chris Setta, and I'm shining a light on the innovators of our profession. Welcome to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. On today's show, my guest is Dr. Heather Hopkins. Back in February of 2017, I sent an email to Align Technology, the makers of Invisalign, with my top 10 ideas for improving their ClinCheck software. After thanking me for the submission, I was thrilled to see many of these suggestions incorporated into their next software release. There was the ability to star a case or add notes to the Invisalign doctor site, and the capability to adjust the thickness of the attachments in millimetric increments. Now, there's nothing wrong with offering product feedback, but I often wonder, are we as orthodontists simply giving away our creativity and expertise for big corporations to profit? To be quite fair, not all ideas are patentable, and in this particular case, my suggestions to Invisalign were probably not. Today, I'm thrilled to shine a light on an innovator that is leading the charge in the digital age of orthodontics. For those of you who don't know Dr. Heather Hopkins, she is an orthodontist in a multi-specialty group practice in South Carolina. Over the past decade, Heather has been involved with companies such as GAC, KLON, and Invisalign, not only as a speaker, but on the product development side as well. As you'll hear on today's episode... Heather recently went from offering product feedback to patenting her own idea for a software that helps teams implement and track their digital workflow. And in truly badass fashion, Heather then struck a deal with Invisalign to license her software called Asana Smiles. Well, welcome to the podcast. How are you today, Heather?
1: I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'm glad to finally get you on the podcast.
1: Well, I don't get to see you in person very often. I mean, there was this like kind of weird thing for a minute where, you know, wasn't a lot of travel and all.
0: Yeah, that COVID thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Sort of put the kibosh <laughs> on a lot of things. But to be fair, I've been trying to get you on the podcast, I think, since the first season. And there's been a lot of phone tag and uh, messages, but... I'm glad you're finally here. Welcome. Why don't you tell everyone where we're at?
1: So we are at the MOPC conference, the Pearls Conference, Mm -hmm. in um, Phoenix, Arizona. And it is beautiful weather here. I live in South Carolina where it's very humid and wet and sticky and gross out still. Oh,
0: Florida is so humid right now. Yeah, you feel me. You know that that arid desert air feels good. It does. You get out of the shower and your hair like dries instantly. It's pretty cool.
1: (laughs) Yes. So just the fact that you can walk outside and not be instantly soaking wet is kind of amazing.
0: I know. It's a great thing. Why don't you tell everyone what we're drinking?
1: So, I have some
0: bourbon here for us. And it's delicious, I might add. Well, thanks. But you haven't told me what it is.
1: So, it was not, because it's not the bourbon that I wanted. Okay. This is some Woodford Reserve. Okay. Um, Because it's just kind of the best I could. Woodford is respectable. It is. It's definitely respectable. But I probably would say my bourbon of choice is Blanton's.
0: Blanton's is amazing. I've had one bottle. And that's it. I can't find it anywhere.
1: Um, so I actually have had a lot of lanterns, but I've done the entire bourbon trail before.
0: Have you? Mm-hmm. And what's that like? Because I've never had the opportunity to do it.
1: Well, I'm a huge nerd. And so I actually like the whole process behind it. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating what all goes into bourbon. Mm-hmm. It's similar to winemaking, but with bourbon, for example, like they'll have a brick building and a wooden building and some will have windows and some won't. And the way that they store the barrels is very fascinating as to how that affects the taste of the bourbon. Mm-hmm. So I actually have a bourbon barrel panel and it has all of the Blanton's tops. Do you know, do you know what that is on the top of the Blanton's bottles? The
0: horses, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: But if you notice like
0: There's a letter too. What
1: well, do you right? know what the horses are doing?
0: That I don't know.
1: It's actually a racing horse. In motion and all the different parts of the stride. Oh, so if like, you put, a, if you light like a stop them all motion up, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So if you line them all up, it's like a horse like racing.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: So I do have all those at my house, but I'll say I got it maybe 15 years ago. For about $120. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably
0: um, a lot more now. Yeah.
1: My husband and I, our first date was at the Keeneland Racetrack. So wow. uh, like going to see horse racing and have done the whole bourbon experience. And when I lived in Los Angeles, we actually, as a gift to our mentors out there, bought uh, bottles of Pappy Van Winkle back when they were like $300. <laughs> and I was like, $300 was way too much to spend like on yeah, ourselves, yeah. but we gave those as gifts. And so it's kind of funny to look back now about how we gave.
0: Yeah, what does Pappy run for now?
1: Um, it starts at 2500
0: That's insane. I've actually got a fun uh, bourbon fact for you. Okay. My band with my Wake Forest friends were called the Mash Bill. Oh, Which you okay, probably yes. know the meaning. Know the mash, okay, can you uh-huh. explain what a mash bill is?
1: Well, so the mash is the undistilled bourbon. So it's like this big, huge exactly. like, barrel. And so there's actually the Kentucky Bourbon Act of like maybe seventy nine, I'm not sure. Uh, where it actually explains what has to the ingredients have to be and the process has to be for it legally to be considered bourbon. Right. And so part of that is like it has to be a certain percentage of corn and all these different like rye yeah, and yeah, wheat yeah, yeah, yes. and uh-huh. barley or yep, whatever. And that's what in ends there. up making up like the mash. And exactly. so that's before it actually becomes alcoholic to drink. So it actually smells really bad and I tasted some of it on the tour and I wouldn't recommend it.
0: Yeah. It's almost like a beer and then they distill that down, a very awful tasting beer. Uh, mm-hmm. and that That makes whiskey. Yeah, so that's how you get it. Fun fact there. I know you grew up in New Orleans, right?
1: Yes. So my family is from New Orleans, and I didn't live there throughout all of my childhood, but everyone outside of my immediate family still lives there. So we go back quite often. And uh, I mean, it's definitely amazing food in New Orleans, amazing music, lots of live music, and it is My relatives all have very, very thick Cajun accents, so that's always a little fun. I
0: don't think you really have a New Orleans accent. My sister-in-law is from New Orleans, actually.
1: But that's where I think I talk very fast, and some of that is a New Orleans thing. Is it? A little bit. And New Orleans is more of a northern-sounding accent than a southern-sounding accent. It can be a little bit. Yes. People never think I live in the south or that I'm from the south, but that has to do with the New Orleans accent. I think it is kind of a more northern sound. Like my relatives all call me Heather. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it almost well, sounds New York exactly right <laughs> so I think the hints of it that I have left are what make people think that I'm more northern and not the fact that I've spent most of my life in the southeast
0: interesting do you have a favorite like food from New Orleans or, oh, or beverage I, well
1: I make king cakes I love do I love yeah Yep,
0: I know what a king cake is, but for maybe those who don't understand king cakes. Yeah.
1: So king cake is for Mardi Gras. And so Mardi Gras, I know Fat Tuesday is the day Mm. before Lent starts. Uh, New Orleans has an enormous Catholic population there. That's right. And so it's like the, it's it's supposed to be like the day where you do all the bad things and get them out of your system before (laughs) Lent starts. And you have to be really good, which is, you know, kind of funny to think about. Right. Um, And so it's like drink all the alcohol, eat all the sweets, as much sugar as possible, and then be good for 40 days. Uh, so a king cake is it's basically like a giant cinnamon roll that's then like three cinnamon rolls all braided together, mm-hmm. covered in icing. Uh, With New Orleans colors,
0: right? Well, yes, yeah, so
1: green, gold, um, and purple. And then inside the cake, which some people think get a little weirded out by this, Inside the cake, there's actually a little plastic baby.
0: Right. And what does the baby signify?
1: Well, it depends on who you ask. Like different people, different traditions with it. But it's either that supposed to be that you throw the next party or that some people think it's like good luck. But the main thing in New Orleans, like down there, it means that you're responsible for like the next get together, like the next party everybody has.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I think I've
1: ordered from Haydell's. Is that a pretty good...
0: King yeah. cake, Yeah,
1: yeah. No, that one's good. Yes. Some of them have like that kind of Entenmann flavor. Um, but you can tell the difference because like, it's, it's like a yeast. It's a very time intensive process. Like you got to like roll the dough out and let it rise like six times and like keep wow. bashing it down. And then you got to get all the cinnamon and sugar and braid it all together. And, and
0: you do this every year? Uh, yeah. So yep. I expect a king cake now, Heather. Okay. All
1: right. <laughs> okay. I can definitely make that happen.
0: So let's get back. You did all your education in Kentucky. Like what brought you to Kentucky?
1: So I went to high school in Tennessee. Okay. And this is, you know, pre-internet, right? It's kind of crazy to think about. <laughs> right, it is. <laughs> um, you know, I was going off of all the flyers I got in the mail and what like the college counselors in my high school were telling me. And I didn't even know, you know, the whole world of things that were out there. And so I I wanted to go to a smaller school and I wanted to be kind of like driving distance like from home. Right. And I played sports in high school, so I was recruited Buy some bigger schools, but I had other interest. Obviously, I didn't think I was going to be a professional athlete, uh, so I wanted to prioritize my academics over going to like a D one school for a scholarship to play sports. Which is smart to do. Yes, no, I will. Thank you. I think so. Um, my high school coaches weren't so happy about it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I went to a school in Kentucky. Interestingly enough, in Danville, Kentucky, which was a dry county at the time.
0: Oh, is that right? Yes. They have those in the South, right? Yeah. So yeah. like
1: no restaurants were there at all because the, most restaurants make most of their money off of their alcohol sales. Mm. So you go, there's no bars, there's no restaurants. I mean,
0: was there like McDonald's?
1: Um, let's see. There was a McDonald's and a Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, And so it was a very interesting experience because everyone just hung out on campus because there was nowhere else to go. But so I went to a small uh, liberal arts school there and I played soccer there and I studied biochemistry and molecular biology.
0: Pretty impressive. Dual major. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's one of those things I always, people are always like, wow, that's so hard. And I'm like, but I just have a knack for it, you know?
0: And it was called Center College. Did I get Mm -hmm. that right? It's in the
1: geographic center of the state.
0: Okay. That's where I was going with that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Pretty cool. Yeah. And then from there, I think you went to University of Kentucky,
1: right? Mm -hmm. For dental. All right. And so I met my husband when I was a freshman in college. And so we have been together for 23 years now. And so he was already in medical school. He was four years older than me. So he was in medical school already. Gotcha. So I actually only applied to one dental school.
0: <laughs> yeah, you just rolled the dice on that, huh?
1: <laughs> I just applied to the one, and same thing as residency, I only applied to UK and of L. That was it. Wow! And so I got I got a little heat on that, but I was like, you know, I have my priorities, and I know I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to be an orthodontist. It's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen this time, then you know I'll wait until my husband's finished with his residency, and then I'll have more options. But. It worked out. I got in first time. So. And now
0: your husband, I think he's an orthopedic surgeon? He's an orthopedic surgeon, correct. Okay, awesome. And then when you were at University of Louisville, was our friend Maz there around the same time? <laughs> so, yes, Maz.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yes, so Maz actually was um, a year ahead of me. And so I got to like meet him and like, kind of hang out with him. Uh, he was definitely a little more wild back then. Like he was really, oh, I just yeah. cannot picture that. Like the first time that I saw him kind of out at a meeting professionally, like, you know, several years after residency, I was like, is that, is that Moz? Like, <laughs> but always been like a, an amazing human being, always a hard worker. Oh yeah. Um, and his dad is an amazing educator. His dad would give this oral exam and it was like the most dreaded exam of all of residency. Is that right? mm mm-hmm. Because he would like just sit there and stare at you. If you didn't know the answer, he would just stare in silence really, and like all your classmates are looking at you and everybody like wants to help you but no one's allowed to step in and you're and just then, like sweating at that oh point. yeah and then if you say something he doesn't tell you if it's right or not right he just goes to the next person and says and so what do you think <laughs> Oh, so, he, wow. and no, and he's like, he was, it said he is an amazing, he he taught our growth and development course. And so amazing educator, but just like really scared, uh, everyone during that exam. Sort of intense. Very intimidating. Cause he, cause you know, like he's just, he's so bright and he just knows his stuff. And so, and no one wants to disappoint him. Right. Cause sure. he, he works really hard and he was a lot of effort into educating us. And so yeah. we all want to be able to live up to his expectations of us.
0: Interesting. So where did you go after Louisville?
1: So we actually moved to Los Angeles mm. after Louisville. My husband uh, still had part of his training to do, and we were talking about it, and he had never left the state of Kentucky before. And I was like, you know what? It's just for a few years. Let's go someplace crazy. Like, so where,
0: just... where did he get into?
1: So he was in Kentucky, and then when we did were- Did he
0: match out that way, or you no, just- No, so, okay.
1: so when we were looking, when he was applying places, because mm-hmm. like, the way it works for medicine too, Like, I mean, he applied like 60 places. Like They apply so many places. Mm. So he was doing a fellowship. This is what this is for. Okay. And he was like trying to decide where to even apply. And I was like, let's get out of Kentucky. Let's get out of the Southeast. Let's go someplace totally fun. If we hate it, we know it's for a finite amount of time. Um, but who knows? Like it, it could be really cool. Let's have a fun experience. And so he got into a, the joint replacement Institute JRI in Los Angeles. And then I had to find a job. <laughs> Uh, Because I had student loans that were going to be due and he wasn't getting paid. So I had to find a job to support us in Los Angeles, of all places. You know, cost of living is definitely not high or anything. No. (laughs) No. Um, So I sent out 230 letters in the mail. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I got one response. Okay. From Patrick Turley, who invited me to lunch to welcome me to the area. Wow. And that was it. (laughs) So what was your next move? I started reaching out to anyone and everyone I knew who had any connection to anyone in Los Angeles. I was like, anyone, like any do you know anybody, I'll talk to them, just let me like plead my case as to why they should try and help me. And Jack Fisher, um, I don't know if you know Jack Fisher. He Tennessee? Yep. Yep. Okay. He developed his own pad system. Yeah. So yeah. he used I to fly speak, to yeah. Louisville, uh-huh, and teach us like once a month. And his son happened to volunteer for um, Bill Dorfman's charity, who is a Mm. cosmetic dentist in Los Angeles. And uh, Jack, and I'm not even going to try and do his accent because he's got that nice country accent. And Mm. he was like, well, you know, I know this one guy. He wants to use my tads. He's like, but I don't really like those Hollywood types. He's like, why don't you talk to him? He's like, you know as much about my tads as I do. And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, I suppose I could talk to him. Like, you know, do you have his, his email? Like, that'd be cool. Like, if you could, could get that info to me, pass that along. And he was like, yeah, sure. And he leaves the room and all of my classmates like fall out on the floor. They're like, oh, my gosh, this is your dream job. Because I was like super into like People Magazine and like ETV and like, you so know. That was your thing. Oh, I was Extra, so yeah. into it, like so into it. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you're going to go to Beverly Hills. And so I contacted him and uh, he wanted me to come out and meet with him. And wow. yeah, so I met with him thinking it'd be like a networking thing. And uh, we're chatting and we're talking and he stops me and he goes, you're going to work for me. And I was like, what? He's like, you are going to work for me. I was like, doing what exactly? <laughs> He's like, you're going to be my orthodontist. I was like, okay, do you have an orthodontist? He's like, no. He's like, but you're going to be my orthodontist now.
0: So um, <laughs> Dr. Dorfman was like a big time, you know, cosmetic dentist yes. of the stars, basically. So he Excuse started, my ignorance. but was, Yeah.
1: So he was on Extreme Makeover. He was on The Swan. He's on The Doctor's tv show he started discus dental which was purchased by phillips sonicare okay, yeah he started zoom whitening no way so he was like behind zoom whitening he has like his own like laser that was he sold as well so he was the dentist to the stars out there even during this combo like i walk out of the building and my husband calls me and he's like did he give you a job did he give you a job because i kept saying like he's not gonna offer me a job and all i said was i said i just met Brad pitt
0: <laughs>
1: what and my husband's like but did he offer you a job and i'm like I (laughs) just met Brad Pitt.
0: Let that sink in, right? <laughs> I was just like,
1: and, and my husband's like, but what do you say? I'm like, are you not listening to me? I talked to me, Brad Pitt. It was crazy. Um, so yeah, and I was like, yes, yes, the so, so what So you So
0: what did you say to Brad Pitt?
1: I was you no, know, so he was not actually a patient. He was just like, you know, there being seen. And so Bill stopped and introduced him to me. And so I just was like, hi, uh, you know, I'm Heather. And uh, I was like, yeah, I live in Kentucky. <laughs> I mean, I was, uh, I, yes, I was, it was a, um, it was you're, not you're like You're still a... even telling the story.
0: I can, I can see <laughs> how nervous you were.
1: <laughs> yes, it was. um I didn't have anything very like stimulating to offer to say to Brad Pitt. I was just trying to not like start drooling or like pass out or anything.
0: <laughs> so who else did you meet?
1: Um So one of the things, and I'll say this too, is that going to that practice, one of the things is that almost all the patients sign something that Bill is able to use their name and likeness and talk about them and that their patient's there because that's kind of part of, you know, that culture of like, uh, there's no bad publicity type thing. Okay. And so I definitely can talk about who was there and what patients were seeing. Obviously, some of the things I can't discuss. Well,
0: yeah. We but, don't need to know their density. But I issues, also don't want to be but... like, yeah,
1: I'm talking about all these people because like they it's very much like something that they signed up for Fair enough. and are aware of. Thank but, you for
0: setting that up. Yeah.
1: Yes. So I treated Kitty Perry. Um obviously I did her music video and she was a patient in the practice who was actually had lingual braces on Hmm. and she's very intelligent she's very um very creative very in control of the creative process okay which i really respected because not everyone out there is and she was doing a music video and she asked if i could make her like the nerdiest dorkiest like worst looking orthodontic appliance alive
0: wait hold on back (laughs) up so i do know about this story but This was her idea. She came Mm -hmm. in, she just approached you and was like, I need something super nerdy.
1: Yeah. She's like, I'm doing this thing, I have this idea. What's the like worst looking, like craziest thing you could put on my face, like for my teeth and everything?
0: And so what'd you come up with?
1: <laughs> so, well, keep in mind, I also had 48 hours to make this happen because this is how things happen in Hollywood. Wow. It's like they need it. They need it now. They will pay you. They don't care. Just make it happen. Uh, um, wow. so I was trying to figure out how to do this and what I was going to do. And I had models of her teeth. And so I ended up making, I put all the, I took a wire and I bent it to where her teeth were on the model. Okay. And then I used self-life gating brackets on there. And then I put the wire in the back and then I took some like triad, I think, I'm trying to remember now, like band lock, I think, and just made these big, huge like mounds back there mm-hmm. so that that secured the wire on and then I drilled holes in it and then I put a headgear tube and then I did a suck down on top of it and then just cut out the whole portion where the wire was in the front. So it was basically like a TPA almost made out of Essex okay. that went across her palate that then had the wire on the front that was like bent for her teeth. And then the headgear could go in and out of little tubes in the back. It was a stressful 48 hours trying to make that happen. (laughs) Um, But then and she picked out every color of every O-tie on every bracket.
0: Is that right? Mm
1: -hmm. Yep. She like had a very specific vision and she wanted to like make sure that vision was realized. So again, I have a ton of respect for someone who is, you know, that in control of like their process.
0: And I saw the video and it looks like high pull headgear. Like where did you find that in forty eight hours? I imagine Doctor Dorfman did not. No, have high blood no,
1: gear. he did not. So, um, a friend of mine, Doctor Patty Panucci, mm-hmm. who actually was a alumni of Louisville, um, as well. So I had already I knew her. She her practice was right up the street from my house, and I knew she used headgear. And I had to sign like an NDA, saying I wouldn't tell anyone about any of this until it was released. Okay. So I just had to be like, I need. I was like, Do you have a headgear? She was like, Yeah. I was like can I, anyway? can I pay you for one? Can I get just one headgear? And she's like, what's it for? And I was like, I just need it for a thing. And so she actually like taped it to the fence outside her practice. And I came by like late that night and got it. <laughs> no way. Yes. That's um, hilarious. Yeah. And uh, Katie Perry is very nice. There were no uh, cameras allowed on set, like nothing, everything was top secret, but she allowed me to like take pictures with her and then she allowed me to bring my next door neighbor who was like a just diehard fan. She was like 16 at the time. She allowed me to bring her with me and they did all of her hair and makeup. So she's just a really just kind person and it was a really fun experience.
0: Now, were you in the actual music videos, like an extra?
1: I was not in the video because I was on set the whole time to take the headgear on and off for her oh because okay. they like getting it on and off they were worried about like breaking it or messing it up mm-hmm. and you know it's like second nature to us to you know do those things in people's mouths sure but they sure. were a little worried about it so i got to hang out with all the people that were on the in the video I got and to, you're
0: credited in the music video uh, which yes, is crazy
1: yes there's credits and it says set orthodontist um heather hopkins which i mean <laughs> who is an orthodontist do you think you're ever going to be like in the credits of I something know, right? like that? that's so awesome <laughs>
0: When we come back in just a moment, more of Heather's celebrity encounters, how she got involved in a multi-specialty practice setting, and how she developed her aligner course, Plastic Principles. Stay with us, you're listening to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. Kind support for this podcast comes from Ulab Systems. Ulab is the next generation aligner company. Their team of healthcare innovators is creating the most flexible platform on the market so orthodontists can choose the right combination of aligner therapy for their patients best outcomes. Their latest release, Udesign 7.0, brings advanced AI for treatment setup and auto staging. Making in-office treatment planning and manufacturing easier than ever. No time to treatment plan? Then send your case to the U.S.S. team for a quick turnaround. Orthodontists have the option to order aligners from ULab's U.S.-based facility or create them in-office. ULab brings you flexibility and speed to run your practice your way. To learn more, head over to ULabSystems.com. Welcome back to our conversation with Dr. Heather Hopkins. So, what I think is super cool, Kenny G is in the video. Did you meet Kenny G? Yes, I did. What is Kenny G like in real life? I played
1: saxophone in the middle school band, okay, so yes. (laughs) Um, And I wanted to play soprano saxophone, but our band leader did not have music for soprano sax, so I wasn't allowed to. But, yes, I was excited to meet Kenny G, and he was, yeah, no, he was fun. Um, Just again, that's the thing people don't realize a lot of times with celebrities is they're just people. Yeah. They really are just people and they're really cool people and they're most of them. There's a few, but that's with any population, right? You're going to have people who are great and people who aren't. But most of them, it's just kind of, it's a little sad because they don't have anyone that they can really talk to. Most people want something from them, you know? Oh, really? Mm -hmm. They have people around them all the time who only say yes to them, who want some type of connection. They want some type of whatever. I had patients who would come Mm -hmm. to the office and hang out and be like, do I have to leave? Can I just hang out for a while? Because it's like, they can't go anywhere without being harassed or like...
0: It'd just be normal, huh? Yeah, they
1: just want to be normal. So everyone there on the set was very nice. I got to hang out polcastically.
0: Oh, they're in the video.
1: Yes. Which then I actually, I watched an Arcade Fire set with them at Coachella oh. as well. Well, that's a story. Uh, do tell. So I had um, some people give me some VIP tickets to Coachella. Me and my husband love live music. We don't go to dinner. We don't go to movies. <laughs> we go to we go to live music. That's we, so cool. We just love it. It's our favorite thing. And uh, so we got to go to Coachella. And we were in the little VIP section there. And, you know, my husband heard me talk about these stories every day. And i be like, I'm so really, really stressed out right now because, like, the entire Jackson family was in the office today. And if I, like, <laughs> mess that up, you know, like, it was stressful. And, you know, but he didn't really appreciate the experience until we were at Coachella. And we're, like, at the bar. And it's, like, Paul McCartney, Usher, and Katy Perry. And they, like, they knew me. They were, like, saying hi to me. and Wait.
0: Back up. Paul McCartney... <laughs> Katy Perry and Usher and
1: Usher. They knew you. Yes. They knew me. But for me, I was just kind of like, Hey guys, how's it going? You know, what's your favorite band here? You know, what are you excited to see? Well, you have to act normal, right? You can't just like fangirl
0: them at that point. Right. So,
1: and I will say it just took me a minute. So the first week I was in LA in the office, one of my first like kind of high profile patients, it was an Invisalign case and it was one that had been started by general dentist and this person needed IPR. I go to start doing the IPR and this person looks at me and was like, if you do that again, I'm going to punch you in the face. (laughs) And I was like, I took a step back and I was like, well, if you punch me in the face, I'm probably going to get fired. And it's like my first week here. So please do not punch me in the (laughs) face. Like, I was like, I immediately realized I was like, this is she's just acting like any other like 13 year old girl. Like these are just people and just, you just treat them like people. If you just talk to them, like you talk to anybody else. And so I very quickly got over my initial, you know, Brad Pitt, like, you know, heart palpitations. I could just talk to them like they're just my friends, but my husband, that's when he like totally fanboyed out. Like he was um, Sweet D from um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. And Charlie. Um, no way. Yeah. I love
0: Always Sunny. That, yeah, that's yeah. such a great and, show.
1: Um, and Mac. And then Sweet D is like bouncing around with her baby, like in a baby Bjorn with like big headphones on.
0: Is she funny in real life?
1: Oh, I was eating an ice cream cookie sandwich and she walks up to me and she's like, that looks amazing and she's like is there any way i could have a bite and i was like sure go for it and my husband's like oh, he's like sweetie you just ate some of your cookie <laughs> so he like totally fanboyed out and he like got pictures with some of the people and all but yes so he did not it wasn't until that moment that he realized that that was my life every single day so
0: he came around to the la life and he was in training the whole time right
1: yes he was in training the whole time
0: gotcha so what brought you guys to south carolina
1: so we um looked at staying in California and it was it was a lot of fun. We went to all the national parks, all the live music there. It was a great experience, but we looked at buying a house. And it was like 500 square feet, built in 1948, no updates, nothing, and $998,000. And this is back in like
0: 2010. Yeah. Oh, geez. (laughs) And we had student loans. And I was like,
1: I don't think anyone will even give us a loan for that much money right now. (laughs) (laughs) So we just realized that it wasn't the kind of lifestyle we wanted for our family. So we decided to go back to neutral ground in the Southeast. Uh, Very stupidly, we chose uh, neutral ground with no family. Uh, and then had kids. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> then, and so we're like, now nah, we had like, no support system. So South Carolina is great, and there's great people there. And so we just kind of had to kind of build our own support system in, in a different way.
0: Gotcha. And you're in Lexington, I believe, which yes. is close to Columbia, which I believe is the capital.
1: Yes, Columbia is the capital, and I am in Lexington. We live on Lake Murray. Okay. So it's a very nice big lake there. The saying is that it has... Um, more uh, shoreline in the state of Florida. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. Just the way all the little inlets are mm-hmm. and coves and everything. And so my husband, yes, had a job offer there and found a position. And so then I just, I made that work.
0: Okay. I, you're about like, what, two hours south of Charlotte? Yeah,
1: yeah, roughly. It's like, it's um, probably a little less than that. But okay. yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to get to Charlotte.
0: Right on. So, and I believe you're in like a multi-specialty practice, right?
1: Yes. Yes, I am. Being in LA, it gave me the unique opportunity to see the changing landscape there. There's a lot of corporate there. I mean, I worked in a general dentist's office who had me, he brought in endodontistin, he was bringing in periodontistin. So I saw that happening. I actually had a really crazy experience. I worked for a, what would basically be considered like an early model OSO, Mm. uh, where a VC firm out there saw like his kids' orthodontist practice and was like, I think I want to invest in some of these. And so I actually worked for an office that was funded by a bunch of the Dodgers, a bunch of players in the Dodgers. Yeah. What, yep.
0: What was the name of it?
1: Um, It was called Elite Smiles. Okay. They were way ahead of the curve on things. The industry just wasn't ready and they had, there weren't a lot of models out there to follow yet. But our office had no phone in it because there was a central call center. They had like people to go to companies to negotiate insurance deals, like all this stuff. And it ended up not surviving because it completely took away the role of the doctor or the importance of the doctors at all. Like I, they told me just to sit in this office with no phones and like people to show up. <laughs> They're like, don't go to lunch with anyone. They're like, don't try and market. You don't even need a phone. Like, just go sit there, and patients will come. Okay. <laughs> um, and you know, they did, not so many patients came. <laughs> uh, so, but I had seen like these things that were happening, and I'd seen what happened in medicine, and so I recognized mm-hmm. that that was kind of the way dentistry was headed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, a cycle that we kind of started doing to ourselves a little bit because we're a very profitable profession, and the practice prices started going up pretty high after 2008. No new grad could get a loan without a two-year work history. Um, so they go out and they work as associates. The value of the practice goes up and it's just harder for us to buy. Mm-hmm. And so then when you have like private equity coming in and offering these kind of bigger payouts, there aren't that many orthodontists who then are going to sell to other orthodontists anymore. And so I think that that's just going to keep continuing to happen. Right. And in my situation where I was, you know, my husband has his job and was very happy. So I had to kind of figure out how to kind of make my goals work within that, those parameters. Sure. And so that's when I was like, well, I think doing multi-specialty is something that will insulate me from a lot of these roll-ups and kind of corporatization that's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I bought into a pedo GP practice And so I'm the only orthodontist there, and there's four of us, and we are all equal owners of the practice.
0: And I believe there's two pediatric dentists, one adult dentist. Mm -hmm. I actually, when I was in New Jersey, I did a similar practice model in Hamilton, New Jersey, Hamilton Dental Associates. But that model was super interesting.
1: It's a great model, and I did a whole talk on this for the AAO Midwinter, because everyone always wants to know, like, well, what are my numbers? What are my numbers? How do we split money? What is this? What is that? It doesn't matter what numbers, you know, my practice does or how we split it or anything else. It's all about the people you're in a partnership with and just making sure you're aligned on like your practice culture and your goals for the practice and, you know, how you want to prioritize things. Mm-hmm. Um, Whether my own orthodontist told me when I was shadowing with him in college, he's like, you have a choice. You can have a practice that's about the relationship between you and the money. You can have a practice that's a relationship about between like you and like the parents. um, Or you can have one that's about you and like the actual patient or, you know, in your team. He's like, but you have to decide what kind of practice you want to have. And so that's kind of like one of those things you have to be on the same page with all your partners. And if you're aligned on all those things, then all the numbers will come together to like meet those goals. And just because it is very different the way pediatric dentists look at things and the way we look at things. And so just yes. understanding, you know, like we, they had a consultant come in and she like the number of seven year olds in the practice was like some like, crazy high number. And they're like, this is going to be a great partnership. Um <laughs> And so, I mean, we do have a good partnership, but it's just the struggles that we have, And, you know, if all partnerships have struggles. Sure. They're definitely not related to numbers in the practice. Right. It's much more about just goals and priorities for kind of how the day-to-day the practice goes Mm
0: -hmm. i see your point like so right now i work with blue wave orthodontics and they have a pediatric division kid smiles and the way the pediatric dentists maybe look at a case is a little different than i might look at it right especially in terms of when they might want to refer things like that
1: oh yeah no um when i first joined my practice they didn't understand the concept of a treatment coordinator Mm because they're like we're not a used car dealership we don't sell things here (laughs) and i'm like well i mean I'm not like, it's not like a hard sell, right? Like, yeah, but the, right? But like, there's a nuance to talking about like an elective treatment that is going to be on a payment plan over time, right? Mm-hmm. So it's different than saying, oh, your child has a cavity and it's going to be this much money and we can do it in two weeks. It's just a different conversation. Yes. And it took a while for them to understand why there would be a need for a role like that. Just mm-hmm. those types of things that uh, just weren't discussed like upfront.
0: So one thing I want to know, Heather, I imagine you're doing a fair amount of Invisalign in LA, but like at what point did you start speaking for Align?
1: Um, let's see. So I started speaking for a line when I was in South Carolina already. So I was pregnant with my son, I guess, around. So about seven, eight years ago. Um, it's one of those things where I'd done some stuff with G A C and I had worked on some lingual products and some R and D there. And then I had my daughter and they were all they were kinda like, Oh, well, you're having a baby like you're not going to speak and travel anymore. Um, and so I was speaking for a line, and then I was pregnant with my son, and I just, so I just didn't tell them that I was pregnant, because, I mean, it well, doesn't really matter, yeah, right? Yeah. And I showed up at a faculty meeting like eight and a half months pregnant. <laughs> and they were all like, what? They're like, you've been out lecturing. I was like, yes, yes I have. <laughs> They're like, you didn't tell, we didn't know. And I was like, well, did it make a difference? Yeah. And they were like, well, no. And I was like, OK, we're exactly. cool. we're no, cool yeah, here, yeah. we're good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Funny start. So what were you talking about? Like, what were your topics or your speaking points?
1: Just my own personal journey. Willie Diane, for example, was like a huge mentor to me. Oh,
0: Obi-Wan Kenobi of aligners.
1: Yes. And I mean, I am so grateful to him, like the time that he spent like with me helping me understand things. So the way my brain works is I need to understand the why behind things. Mm. That's why I did biochemistry and molecular biology, because I need to understand all the little details. Physiology, where it's like there's hand waving magic. Like, you know, this goes in, this comes out. We don't care what happens in between. My brain can't like it, like it short circuits. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. I need to know. I need to understand everything oh, uh, in between. Yeah. Yes. So, Willie actually like making fun of me one day because I had like aligners like lined out on a table and I was like trying to like look at them and everything. And he looked at me and he was like, You're going to have my job one day. He's like, I just know it. Wow. Because um, he's, like, he's like, nobody else puts aligners out on the table and studies them like that. <laughs> so, I just spent a lot of time trying to really understand the why behind the mechanics and what was working and what was not working. And then I had my rep had his regional manager come by and was like, hey, we would like to have you do like a local study club type thing. And so just kind of that's where it started. And here I am like eight years later.
0: You know, I have to mention, because I don't think Willie Dan's on the circuit as much anymore, but he was like one of the first to really look at aligners, almost like in terms of fixed appliances and braces, sort of like explaining the four systems. And if I remember, he would talk about cartoonodontics and things like that. No one really thought of aligners that way before. We just sort of assumed the ClinCheck was going to happen and uh, clicked approve, right?
1: Yeah. No, every other speaker that I had seen would show before or after. Mm -hmm. And like I said, that's that physiology mindset of like, and then there's hand waving magic in between (laughs) and it all just works out. And Willie was the first person who his message really resonated and like clicked for me because he actually talked about the mechanics of what was happening versus just saying like, look, it works. Like, look, you can actually move teeth with plastic. Isn't this cool? You know, he actually spoke to us in the language we understand. And so that's kind of what the premise of my courses are and my lectures are is that it's like going back to residency, basically, yeah. right? Like I start talking about like the moment of the force, you know, and we're talking about like the center of resistance versus center of rotation. And we know those things. It's just really hard to think about those things in terms of aligners and plastic mm-hmm. because it's just a completely, like I said, it's cartoonodontics, right? Mm-hmm. And you're looking at the screen you're like, what the heck is happening here? And so I really enjoy and I'm really passionate about it And I have a lot of fun with coming up with all kinds of different, I use my kids like thinking putty and I put it inside of aligners you know, to try and like demonstrate different principles. And I try to come different ways to kind of show how those principles still apply, but they're just different in how they apply with plastic.
0: And that sort of explains that you have a course now from what I understand, Plastic Principles, and I hear you sort of like really get into the biomechanics more so than maybe the aligner fellowship. Maybe teaches it more from the perspective of a class two div one case, class two div two case. Right?
1: Yes. And so a lot of people have struggles with aligners with like upper molars, right? You might get some mesial tip on the crown of the molars. Mm-hmm. I call it like the rolling molars, right? Or you have like a hanging palatal cusp where, and so it's like- That happens s- to me. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So that's what I go through exactly why that's happening, what forces are involved that cause that. And then how to plan your cases moving forward so that it doesn't happen anymore. But until you can understand why it happens, it's hard to figure out like how to prevent it from happening in the future. And so that's what I focus on is like the actual concepts that you can take and apply to every single case you do from here on out. But I don't tell you like treat every case like this, you know, like, you know, like like, like,
0: less of a cookbook in terms of like, tell the clincheck technician, this and X, Y, and Z just more of like the fundamentals.
1: Yeah. It's the concepts, right? And Mm -hmm. so it's the why, and if you don't understand the why and you follow a cookbook approach, then it doesn't work. You don't know how to fix it. Like Mm -hmm. you don't know how to adjust it or change it. And so I try to teach like the why, Mm -hmm. and then, and I go through what my preferences and everything are. But one of the things I like to say is, so do you have things that you type to your text more than one time, like ClinChecks. Like, Do you find yourself typing the same things? Mm-hmm. All the time. Yep. Because <laughs> guess what? Those are your preferences. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. And what everybody wants is not necessarily what same as what I want. Sure. And so I go through all of mine, but then I just say, I'm like, so if you have things you're constantly asking for, then you need to start copying and pasting them, putting them in a Google Doc, and then sit down one day and like organize them, schedule a call with Costa Rica, ask to talk to like the clinical lead mm-hmm. of your pod, and to go through all of them cuz that is what you want. And you Wait, want you can do that? Yeah, you can do that. What? You didn't know that? No. Oh my I, gosh. I yes. just
0: demand the same things every time. No. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean
1: that, that's the definition of madness. <laughs> that is the definition well, of no madness. Well, I wonder why I'm going insane. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and it's overwhelming to think like I need to sit down and make my own custom preferences and, you know, not everyone has to have all 100% custom, but anything that you're writing over and over again is something clearly that you want. And they're just not understanding. So putting those into preferences and then reviewing that. And then I said, I go through all of mine and I go through each one and I explain why, like what it means, why I have it in there, and then how I kind of explain it to the clinical lead. And things are not right on the case. It's not the way I want it. I will very quickly say, you know, please discuss this with your clinical lead. And if they still have a problem, I'll say, please have the clinical lead. Call my office. And they do. Sometimes I feel bad because sometimes they actually wait on hold for a while. I'm seeing patients, but they're like, great. They sit there and they wait till I'm available and I explain the issue and then they fix it.
0: Well, who would know? And to be clear about something I said before, actually, I'm usually like the one that's like, how are you today? Mm-hmm. I hope you
1: have a wonderful day. <laughs> Dr. Seta, yes. smiley face. Yes, yes, he... yes. No, it is very important <laughs> to remember there are people on the other side of that screen. There, Yeah. All explanation points, all capital letters is not going to get you anywhere. Right. It's a failure of uh, communication, right? They're trying mean think about all the schools we go to and all the terminology we use Mm -hmm. even amongst each other we all have different terms for different things that is true and then imagine being in costa rica where english is your second language and you're trying to understand like you know ten thousand different orthodontists um and what we're trying to say the terminology is going to vary quite a bit and so just as long as you can explain to a clinical lead what it is that you mean when you're saying this then they will then convey it to the rest of the team in a way that the whole team understands
0: yeah i'm trying to think of a good example right now but uh I don't know. Maybe I want a socked in occlusion or something like that. Right. I mean, that might not mean something to someone in Costa Rica.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. There's things that we all just say a little differently. And whether you talk about because some people will talk about root torque versus crown torques, like some people sure. always say yeah. like root like versus crown, whether it's facially or labially, you know, like I could imagine that's probably a little confusing and overwhelming for a lot of technicians. Probably a little bit. Yeah. Dealing with all sorts <laughs> of be honest. Because yes. we're, we're like, we're not demanding at all. or We're not like control freaks or OCD or anything. Nah.
0: <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about this course. So like if people are interested in taking it, is it a multi-week course? Is it an on-demand video lectures, webinars?
1: It is 12 weeks long and okay. there is content that is released weekly. Some of that content is on-demand, like it has been like recorded and some of it like I will... I'm always like evolving and changing it and I'll add new content for the specific groups because of questions that are asked or things that, you know, there's kind of like a, you know, a new feature released or whatever else. And then every week there is a live video that I add into that, that answers questions. So people can submit cases and questions throughout the week and then I'll record a response to oh, all of those. Cool. I like the fact that it's like, go at your own pace, do it at your own hours. I have young children. So most of the Productivity in my life happens between like 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. <laughs> um, so they can go through it at their own pace and then submit questions, and then I'll record responses for everybody awesome
0: and I've heard wonderful things about the course well, and I, I definitely need to take it myself to be clear I haven't but I feel like I would learn a lot and maybe <laughs> uh you know learn how to seat these costs a little bit better or at least communicate with my techs without uh yeah no no, no, no. and
1: I that's what I'll say if nothing else I feel confident that by the end of the course you would definitely at least you would understand why that's happening and you would understand how to like prevent that moving forward right um, and and I have really amazing backgrounds and wear interesting t-shirts because you know why not okay,
0: something to look forward to <laughs> when we come back in just a moment how Heather developed her new digital workflow software Asana Smiles and why Heather very well might be the badass honey badger of orthodontics stay with us you're listening to the illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. Support for this podcast also comes from Lightforce Orthodontics. Lightforce was co-founded by orthodontist Dr. Alfred Griffin and is one of the fastest growing companies in orthodontics. Lightforce provides a digital platform to fully customize 3D printed tooth moving tools. They've recently launched the world's first fully custom 3D printed Buckle tubes. These new custom tubes function like all other Lightforce brackets and provide the value of a custom base, an increased range of rotation, and complete the custom bracket system. Head over to LF.co to request your demo today. And we're back to our conversation with Dr. Heather Hopkins. So your latest venture is sort of a collaboration, I think, with Align Technology. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yes, I have a a workflow in my office that I've had for a while. One of the things that, you know, in the journey in adopting all this new digital technology, there's not a lot of systems out there yet, right? Like we're still kind of like in the pioneer phase, like the early adopter phase. So I got to a point where... I was having great clinical outcomes, which I recommend to every doctor, you know, start with learning how to use the appliance, like feel confident in your outcomes, you know, don't like dive in, go all in day one, like get the good outcomes, understand the process. And then as that kind of grows and builds, then you start to realize that it it adds like a new, I call it the digital workload of everything's in the cloud. And so you can't see it. It's not an impression sitting on a countertop that you're like, go back in the lab and like, hey guys, like, what is this? What are we doing with this? Um, It's like just invisible out there. And so I realized that it became very challenging to track where all this information was. Mm-hmm. And so I started trying to find a solution for that. And so I came up with a, basically it's like a SaaS platform, like a software as a service like mm-hmm. platform where it kind of connected everything mm-hmm. so that I could track the whole workflow. And actually not so much for me, but like for my team, right? Because that's how we do everything in our offices. Like I always say, would you know how to do the sterilization process in your practice start to finish? Oh, hell no. Yeah. But at some point in time, did you probably like write out a protocol or like you have knowledge of a protocol that then was implemented that then maybe over time has evolved and you're yes. not aware of it anymore right. because there's not a problem because mm-hmm. what things come to our attention in our practice? The problems. Exactly. Yeah. If things are going well, then we don't know about it. Yep. And so the good systems we never hear about. Mm-hmm. And I was hearing a lot about a lot of our, <laughs> our patients that were using like uh, any type of things with scans or any like aligners, things like that. It was causing a lot of problems. So I was hearing about it. So I decided to come up with this better system to track all of it, but it delegates all of it to my team. And I have an amazing team and they work really hard and they take a lot of pride in what they do as they should and they want it to be right and so i have just built out a system of delegating everything it actually automates a lot of the process and so i have had that for a little bit and some other doctors were like well hey how can we get this like can we get one too Mm. and i didn't have a way to like distribute it or like scale it or kind of copy it yeah and so i started looking at like some options on that and I actually have like some patent filings around it. Um, Super cool. Well, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And I know you have your patent. You've been you've been through that process. You know, no, what I have. Like. Yeah.
0: <laughs> It is a process. <laughs> it's
1: an interesting world, man. Oh yeah,
0: totally different.
1: They have their own lingo for
0: sure. They do. Actually, I had one patent grant today. By the way, a <gasps> utility patent. Yeah. It's been like oh almost like two and a half years. Well, and, like, so what finally... was it? What was it for? For the precision buttons. Oh, yeah. okay.
1: yeah, it, okay, But nice. it's funny. It was
0: all like semantics. They were just like arguing over like, you know, we need an uh or a the in front of it. And like, really? Like, No, it's, <laughs> it's
1: a really interesting world. Like I still in my brain is still a little bit of a black box because it's like, <laughs> I don't quite understand the whole what they're looking at and what they're going for. But yes, I lived that. I went through that and filed patents around it. And then I had to decide, well, what am I going to do with it now? Am I going to try and do something on my own? You know, am I going to try and partner with someone? And there were some people that were interested in having it, but they wanted to keep it small and proprietary and just to like this one small group of clientele. right? Right. And that's not the vision that I had for it. Yeah. And so it was really important to me to like preserve the vision. I have like grown men who have called me like in tears because they're like, you don't understand that this changed my life. I was I clin checks like all the time. Like, my wife was going to divorce me. Like, you know, it was taking over my life. Like, I was just, wow. I was at my practice all the time. Or, like, I have female orthodontists who or, are like, I was at my practice every Saturday and Sunday doing this, and I was missing out on this time with my kids. I might
0: be crying to you soon. Um, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so, it was really important to me that it be available to everyone and that it not be proprietary to one product type sure. or just one group of people. And I wanted to preserve that vision. And so Align Technology saw that vision and they saw how big it could be and how much good it could do for doctors. And so they collaborated with me with a licensing agreement to help create this and distribute it. So that way it has like an actual native integration to where now all of your Align cases will automatically populate, all the status updates move, and everything is all automated and has like easy visibility for your whole team on that.
0: Yeah, which is super cool. So your patent basically is like a system and method. Patent, I would. Well, imagine. no. So it's utility. actually, it's a
1: yeah, it's a utility, mm. but it's not system. It's like actually the technology. Okay. It's the technology behind how the whole thing works.
0: Yeah. Interesting. And mm-hmm. then you partnered, I believe, with Asana too, right? Yes. So.
1: And so it exists within the Asana platform currently, okay. and they actually built out an entire HIPAA compliant module for this. Gotcha. And so now we have the HIPAA compliant module with Asana Smiles. Align has the integration, and we're going to get more integrations. And so things such as digital forms, right? So digital form integration, yeah. insurance verification integrations. We talked a little bit earlier about referrals and mm-hmm. how that's going to work. Um, the iTero scan integration exists currently. And so I'm just really excited about like, what all it can do as far as streamlining things and just the future of orthodontics with as far as changing your practice model. I mean, I had some residents that have been emailing me recently about having a model where it's smaller. Like I have four chairs. Mm-hmm. I have six. Oh, that's the future. Yeah, I I've have been six people for a while. on my team. Yeah. yeah, so I have four chairs. I have six people in the ortho team, and my production keeps going up. I keep starting more patients. My overheads actually gone down. I haven't like added to my team. I haven't added any more chairs, and I've cut the number of days that I'm in clinic by fifty percent. And it's all because I'm a hundred percent digital across the board. So I do all custom braces and all custom aligners, and then I built out this workflow to help delegate that whole process in a way that makes sense. Um, And it's much less work for my team and it has allowed us to not have to hire more people even as we've grown. One of the things that's really cool with it is it it just opens your eyes to all kinds of possibility of things that we just never thought about before because there was never a way to make it happen. So for example, my entire growth and guidance like OBS recall program is all pretty much non-doc time. And the way that we do that is we scan patients And then their scan and their pan go into Asana Smiles, right? Yeah. And so then I have a time once a week when I sit down and I'll like knock through like 80 of those and I'll just go through all of them. And all the previous visit notes are all there. All the previous scans and pans are there. I can see everything, what we're monitoring, what I was looking at. Sure, sure. And... The value to that is, I, I mean, I'm busy. I have kids to have to take my kids out of school, to have to block clinic time, to drive across town to go and sit for someone to say like, "Yep, looks good, keep growing." Here's your free T-shirt, <laughs> yeah, <how laughs> you know. Right? We're, we'll we'll send you a birthday card in the mail. Um, and I know that it's in our profession that's been really pushed like to add value to those appointments. And the way we can really truly add value is by making it easier on the the moms and the dads and the, oh, yeah. the patients. If they come back for one appointment, like if they come back one time, they like you. They like your practice. They just want to know when when it's time.
0: Right. They're there for a purpose, not really to come see you.
1: No, no, no. Yeah. You have to put your ego aside and you have to recognize that like this is actually like they don't need to see me they just need to know what I said
0: and that's it I think the first person I heard say that was Adam Schulhoff who talked about like the retainer check that he was so happy that the retainer check only took maybe 30 seconds but meanwhile the mom had to you know pull the kid out of school and got stuck in traffic and you know all for this like 30 second appointment that we try to add value to as much as we can but like (laughs) what's the point really right
1: yeah no seriously and that's like the same thing for like expander checks like at two weeks to make sure they're actually turning the expander we haven't sent a photo in first retainer check they send to picture it and with retainers in. and they're like, great, go to nighttime only. And parents really appreciate that. They, under, they appreciate that. They want to know me. They want to know I exist. They want to know where I am. They can come see me when they want to. And they want to know what the information is coming from me, but they don't necessarily need to see me. Right. Exactly.
0: And so if I had to sort of describe Asana Smiles, I'm not a user yet, but from the demos I've seen, it's almost like a dashboard. I don't know if you like that description. But it just sort of ties together a lot of different things. Because right now, I will message team members through Cloud9, right, which Mm -hmm. is our PMS. I will sometimes send them text messages, send them emails. Uh, we don't use Slack, but, you know, it sounds like it just sort of like is almost like a central hub for managing all these different things. Right. Because in our practice, we do Invisalign. We do Force, We do KLO and Stride. And, you know, I have to remember to go and check all these. Right. Check the light plan, whatever, without getting like 1500 emails. You know, this plan is available. So it sounds like it just sort of like consolidates everything. Am I explaining this correctly? Oh my
1: gosh. Okay. You're making me feel really good about myself right now because I'm like, (laughs) it's not the easiest thing to grasp because it is so different and you, you nailed it. You got it. Can I come work for your company? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You are going to be my very first like spokesperson. Um, So uh, yes, it's a dashboard and the way it's set up is that there's like a dashboard for the doctor. So like you said, like I, when I looked at my phone earlier. I think I have 181 voicemails I haven't listened to. <laughs> um, oops. Yeah. oops. There's a lot of information coming at me every day, all the time. And even if I go to my email to look to see if I have like a stride case to approve or like whatever it is, I, I might get distracted because it might be an email first about my daughter's spirit week next week. And I need to order some clothes for her for that. And then I'm on Amazon next thing, you know, and then I was right. like, wait, what was I doing? <laughs> so it's a place where I go and it prioritizes everything for me because no matter which list it is, My team tells me that their list is the most important list, and I need to do that one first. Like That might not be due for three weeks, but no, it's the most important one. So it has due dates, so it prioritizes everything. That's awesome. So that I know exactly what I have to be working on in that moment Mm -hmm. Um, and what has to get done. It has links. So, for example, for Invisalign case... You're going to have the link to the scan. You're going to have the records are going to be in there. You're going to have the financial contract is there. If you, you know, just feel like looking at to make sure it's there is there and it's going to have the uh, link to the clincheck. So you never leave that one page. It'll have all your notes like that you made during the eval. And then the future with this, like where this is going to go and what we're working on is that then your team would never have to leave this dashboard to submit a case. To any lab that's affiliated with the Itero. Awesome. Yeah. So now you would have the scan linked, there would be a drop down for like whatever lab, there'd be some prescription options you could choose there and you could do that at the eval while the patient's in your face. So it's not homework on your desk later. Mm-hmm. It's not like here's this big stack of homework mm-hmm. because these people signed a contract, now we need you to fill out prescriptions. Right. It's done right there when the patient's in your face and you know what you're thinking. And so then cases show up like for me to prove, and I'm like, oh, they started treatment. I had no idea. And then I like have a cue like that I can work through. One of the things that was very important to me is I wanted it to be where like you could have that there's no due dates on weekends. You know, one of the things yeah. that can be hard with this is yeah. that it never ends. Like oh, things are always due. Yeah. And you can have a view where like when you finish everything due that day, it's like done. Like you could, which look. is
0: satisfying. We I mean, know, that, right? right? Like yeah. who,
1: who, who wants a to-do list that you never get to see empty?
0: Right. And so oh, it's stressful it, it is. Yeah. It's so
1: stressful. And so that's something that was really important to me to incorporate in there. And so I mean, you can look ahead and you can see what's due next week or in two yeah. weeks or the whole list. But I love that I can have a list and I could be like, and I'm done. <laughs> I that's did all awesome. of them. It's finished. And then once I do my part, it just the dashboards, the way they work, they're connected. So it's basically like a drag and drop feature. Mm. So it'll disappear and I'll go to my clinic team's board to know that that case is going to be coming in and has the shipping link integrated as well. So they can Sweet. track the shipping right there and it updates the due date for the patient's appointment date. So if things are not tracking on time, yeah. then it's going to alert my team that, hey, there's a problem. We might need to talk to this patient. So it's not like day of everyone's like scrambling, like, is this appointment here or is this appliance here? And it also prevents us from running a lot of reports. Like we had to run a run all these reports to mm-hmm. be like, what are our appliance deliveries this week? Do we have right, them all here? Right. Let's go back in the lab and look. And then you have to go and practice management and put a note in their chart. And exactly. It's just, yes, like the amount of going around the office trying to figure out what's the status on this? Like, where is it? As well as even if you have a team member that's out. Sick, they're on maternity leave. Whatever, you don't have to like figure out how to get in their computer. You don't have to figure out like what spreadsheet system they use. It's like there's that visibility there for everyone to pick up wherever things were left off for that patient, so you don't have patients waiting because you have team members out.
0: One of the things we struggle with is you know, say an aligner needs a pontic or something like that, which either leads to a sticky note, like I assume we could make a Google <laughs> sheet or something like that. I imagine there's some kind of uh, implementation there with Asana, right?
1: Yeah. So the way that would work, if so, for example. If you know during the eval that you're going to be doing that, then the notes will be put in at that point. Or if it's just something that then you decide as the doctor, you can add the notes when you approve the case. And there is like a, basically it's called like a subtask. There's like a main patient card and then underneath there's like collapsible subtask. And each subtask is kind of each step in the process. So it kind of isolates that information. So you don't have to scroll through all of it mm-hmm. to find what you're looking for. So when it comes into the office, there's like delivery notes. And so sometimes we have, you know, weird notes about IPR, weird notes sure. about like whatever. Right. And so those are there for the team member. And there's also instructions for each team member built into the template. So like let's say it is at the records dashboard and the patient needs a scan. A lot of people struggle with like, well, what's the scan for? Why was it taken? Where's it going? So the custom field for reason for scan will turn red and it says add. Hmm. So whatever team member is like doing that. And so as far as cross training, it turns red and it's like, this is what needs to be added. And then in each little subtask, it'll say like, so your example with the panic, when it comes into the office, it'll say double check patient's appointment date. And it's like, if this case is in here early, you know, call a patient and see if you can move them up sooner. And it's like little emojis and happy faces like, yay, <laughs> we get to have like, we could tell someone something good. <laughs> um, and it just has like these little like reminders for each step of what to double check and what to review before moving forward that are templated in. And those can be customized and adjusted, but it comes with mine just to show you that you can do that. And then you can go in and change them if you want.
0: I want to go back to something that we glossed over a little bit, but it's something that I think is worth exploring that you struck a licensing deal with Align Technology. And that is no easy task, I will tell you, that uh, I had approached Align originally about the precision aligner buttons. I know Jonathan Amaz, who were uh, previously on the podcast here, they approached Align about their fellowship course. So tell me about that.
1: I mean, you know, it was a learning experience. And one of the things I'll say is I've been involved in a lot of different projects and a lot of different companies and R&D and product development. And, you know, I, I worked with like KL Owen and yeah. GAC, like several companies. And so every time that I am involved in these types of projects, like I feel like I've learned more and more about the process. And so with this It was kind of like the culmination of like kind of getting me to like this point where it's like I'm sitting in a room like with executives from the line, you know, sitting there just me like, you know, holding my own in those conversations. And so it was definitely, you know, it's never easy to talk about those things sometimes. But, you know, as long as you have the same goal Mm -hmm. and you can just have conversations, sometimes hard conversations about what obstacles are maybe in the way of the two of you achieving that goal. And then you can like just calmly discuss, like, what are the two things we can kind of, like, figure out? How can we come together here? And if you can't figure out how to come together, then, you know, obviously it's not going to work. The goals are not really the same, but, you know, using attorneys and hiding behind attorneys typically makes things, like, worse um, a lot of times Mm -hmm. because just the extra element of, like, telephone game. um, And the most important thing is to the person you're having the agreement with to be able to sit at a table with them and talk about, like, some of the things that might be kind of hard to discuss. But to just put it out there and say, here's the challenges that I have, around what you're asking of me on this or here's the concerns I have around this and here's the things that are really important to me and I'm not willing to compromise on and if you guys can come to an agreement on it then you know that's the best way to go because then there has to be a relationship after that agreement is signed I mean can you be my
0: agent really (laughs) I mean it's just impressive because you know if I had a meeting with a line I probably would compromise just to strike the deal with a line (laughs) but like you held your ground
1: well it's just it was really important to me that the vision be maintained and that's what I'm like so appreciative of Align that they saw that vision and they understood the need and they really wanted to be a part of helping making that happen. And, you know, again, everyone loves to hate Align, right? Well, it's easy, easy to do. But, you know, this is one where they could have taken it. They could have just made it proprietary to the Invisalign brand only. And you
0: wanted it to be open source.
1: Yeah. And they understood that how important that was to doctors and how important that was to the specialty. And they were willing to do that. And that's how it is. So it is open platform. Obviously, there's a restriction of as far as other aligner companies having native integrations. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, like they understand that this needs to be a system, an office wide system, right? That doing it for aligners alone doesn't make sense to anybody. And so I was very grateful and appreciative to them for like, seeing sure, that yeah. vision and hearing me out and helping me bring it to life.
0: Congratulations on Asana Smiles. Uh, Tell us, you know, in your free time, you're obviously not a robot, uh, so...
1: I don't, oh, I'm not a robot, but I was like, can we just mention real quick? I feel like there's another nickname you gave me at some point.
0: A nickname. Yeah, I yeah. think I I think I dubbed you the female honey badger of orthodontics. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if uh, anyone has seen the YouTube sketch probably from about 10 years ago at this point about the honey badger. Uh, maybe you can set it up. I'll, I'll let you do that.
1: Um, well, number one, I'm going to say that. Did you know that the honey badger actually is highly intelligent? That is one of the oh, few that right? primates okay. that I can actually like make and use a tool. Okay. Yes. And so, you know, so the honey badger is known. I for, meant that as a
0: compliment, Heather. <laughs> I,
1: <laughs> I know, no, 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 I know. I'm just, and so, like, yes, the honey badger is known for like being a little aggressive and kind of going out there and getting what it wants. Right. Yes, um, yes. Uh, But doing it however the honey badger feels on like On the honey badger's terms. Oh, yeah. Right? On the honey it badger's terms. It's said
0: differently. If you watch this video, if you look it up on YouTube, yeah, I guess you search what, just honey badger. Yeah. Yeah, Pretty much at this point.
1: Yep. You search honey badger. It's out there. Um, but yes, so I will take it. I'll say I'm a honey badger that I go out there and I get (laughs) after what I want. And I'll like, you know, I even create my own tool in the process if I need to.
0: (laughs) There you go. Perfect. So talk to me a little bit more about like your personal life, mom life.
1: I played college soccer and I'm like Mm. just diehard competitive. And so I always said, I would never coach my kids because I do not want that kind of intensity like on my kids so of course you're coaching your kids of course of course it's been a lot of fun and i've been coaching them for five seasons now both my kids and i recognize you know once you become a parent and you're an adult you recognize that like certain things in life maybe aren't as important Mm -hmm. you know you thought they were when you were younger sure sure. and i recognize like the the most important thing is kind of helping them become like human beings and you know learning good sportsmanship and to play on team and build confidence like those types of things so i actually um I dress as a unicorn. I have an inflatable unicorn Is that right? Okay. Yes. And I do cartwheels every time my girls team scores. (laughs) And then for my son's team, we do victory flips. And so I like pick all the kids up and like do like flips and stuff. And so it's a lot of fun. And I was impressed with the fact that I was able to get out there and do it and not be super cutthroat. But it's like when you look at it and you realize like it's, you know rec league eight and under soccer like am i really trying to like just do strategy and like bench kids because they're not good enough or am i trying to like you know you want to build skills and confidence and all and right, all of them so right. it's been a lot of fun i really enjoy it oh that's awesome
0: and what else are you into
1: so we talked about live music you know i me mean oh, yeah. live music and last week i actually got to go to red rocks well, how was like, red rocks I mean, I mean that's on my list, list. yes yeah. it was good it's up on the side of a mountain kind of so it's windy and cold to be prepared. Yes. I wasn't prepared for the wind and it rained throughout most of the show but I didn't even care because it was that amazing. Wow. Uh, The acoustics are great. Um, A band called Camp
0: Okay. I don't um, think I know them. What kind of music so is it?
1: It's, I mean, I guess I think they call it now like Americana genre. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Avert Brothers are our sure, favorite sure. band to go see. And so Camp kind of falls into that group. Camp actually stands for Consuming Abnormal Amounts of Makers and PPR. Is that
0: right? Yes. Well, there you go. Another <laughs> so whiskey reference. That's all
1: you need to know about that band. <laughs> well, I
0: think we've wrapped it up nicely here. My bourbon is done. Probably ready for another one. <laughs> Heather. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. If people would like to learn more about plastic principles, where should they go?
1: They can go to tippingpointortho.com. Okay. And I do have my workflow and automation course, which will be coming out in January.
0: Okay. And when's the next plastic principles?
1: So the next plastic principles will be at the first of the year as well.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. Heather, thanks again. Thank you. It was a fun time. Cheers to you. Cheers. That's all for this episode of the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. If you're a fan of the show, be sure to subscribe or follow Illuminate on your favorite podcast app. Also, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. Special thanks to our sponsors for this episode. That's ULAB Systems and Lightforce Ortho. As always, this podcast would not be possible without the Illuminate team. That's Skylar Adler behind the boards and Tom O'Grady on the Fender Rhodes electric piano. Illuminate will be back in 2023. Until then, wishing you a new year that is filled with both love and light. Thanks so much for listening to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. To hear exclusive outtakes, suggest a guest, or sponsor an episode, head over to illuminateorthopodcast.com. Until next time, this is Dr. Chris Setta signing off.